This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, Monica? It's going good. I just can't stop thinking about Cher. Like, like our Lord and Savior, like, Cher? Do you believe in life after love? I get it. I think about her a lot. That, that bitch. <laughs> I, I don't know. What, I can't What specifically thinking. are you thinking about? I'm thinking about specifically her and and specifically Madonna. Um, because I've been thinking a lot about plastic surgery lately. Like as in, <laughs> you've just been thinking about her or like you're thinking about getting it? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, okay, preface. I have been watching a lot of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I'm yes, very yes. much keeping up. If anyone else is keeping up with the Erica Jane drama, please hit me up. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't believe her. <laughs> I think there are so many lies happening. I agree. I know you do. I've never seen this. She's never seen. I keep telling her that she she should watch it because it very much seems like she would enjoy Uh, it. I mean, I have seen every season of anything the Bachelor franchise has done. That's true. So it does seem like something I would get into. I also love 90 Day Fiance. I know. And and also I love marrying millions and like million dollar listing, selling Sunset. I love like real estate stuff. And for whatever reason, I love. <laughs> oh, hi, Carrie. Excuse the pooch. Um, and for whatever reason, I love the Real Housewives franchise on Bravo. <laughs> I don't feel like that's a sustainable sound. I don't feel like it either. <laughs> she doesn't have any quieter toys. Oh, nor. Every toy that she owns has like a squeaker in it. Well, whose fault is that, Monica? Well, hers because she keeps like completely eating her other toys, like rope toy. Uh, uh, orange bone, all these, all these toys that like don't make any sound. Right. She either doesn't like them because she likes like loud toys, sure, or she like eats them, <laughs> like incredible. Starts like dev- Like I gave her a ball the other day, uh-huh. a, like a tennis ball. Yeah. She completely de- devoured the outside of the ball. <laughs> all that was left was like the weird inside part. Yeah. And I was like, Are you okay? Mm. And, and she's like, like, I'm more than okay, mom. And she had like diarrhea for like the next two days. It was a whole thing. Gary. Are we recording right now? I mean, oh, we wow. can work with it. <laughs> anyway, I have all these tabs open of just different people. One of them is Olivia Coleman. Yeah, we were, um, we took a brief interlude from from recording to do some scheduling. To do some shing for the podcast. Scheduling. Some administrative things yeah if any of you have particularly strong feelings about who we should be doing we might listen to them um we have before so tell tell us oh yes that's how we did vince vaughn yeah well i mean we were planning on doing him for a while but we were pushed to do him sooner because of a lovely listener wow yeah i love it love it okay who are we doing today, Monica? We're doing the one and only Steve Carell today. Yes. Steve Carell. Steve, Steve Carell. Steve, Steve Carell. Steve, Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Honestly, a shame that we are not doing Get Smart. Get Smart is not one of the movies that we're doing today. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that. Oh, fuck out. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you know what I watched today? I watched uh, Steve Carell's Between Two Ferns. Oh, my God. Which, which is very funny. It's uh, Between Two Ferns is uh, Zach Galifianakis's, like, fake talk show. Fake-ass talk show where he invites his celebrity BFFs to, like, come on and, like, 
talk about nothing basically yeah and it turns into like the most awkward interviews but so you know awkward. that they're all scripted like it's all it's all that's the point is it's yeah. a fake talk show it's a, it's basically scripted television po- posing as a talk show <laughs> and the one that he does with steve carell he's just like he's pretending like he's trying to make it a real interview Iconic. and steve carell's just like no i know why the fuck you brought me here and so you can make fun of me and so you can make fun of me and my career and then he starts just like <laughs> saying all of these fat jokes about Zach Galifianakis <gasps> the whole time. Oh and granted, God. I am not into like fat humor, but these were pretty funny. Oh <laughs> because they were in the context of between two fur. Which that's a, in a vac, that, is, that shows a, a vacuum. vacuum. It's a complete vacuum. And then it's Zach a, Galifianakis like pretends to start crying. It was, it was great. That shows a Dyson. <laughs> That shows a Dyson Animal V11. <laughs> I fucking love Between Two Ferns. If you uh, haven't if you haven't watched an episode of uh, Between Two Ferns, you can find you it. You have to go on YouTube. On YouTube. There yeah. are t- plenty of episodes on YouTube. I don't know if it ever existed on a different platform. I think maybe Netflix picked it I up. I think it was a web show, Some, like on its own website. Yeah, I know. Something. It was a web show, but I'm saying is I'm pretty sure I remember a, st- a big streamer like picking it up. I don't mm. remember which one it was. I don't know. Perhaps Netflix. Wow, it, it's a miracle it took us more than five minutes to start doing some sort of accent. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Everyone. We were talking the other day and um, Jessica and I were talking talking the other day and she was telling me how uh, um, British accents, if they're done poorly, can sound like Southern accents. And yeah. I, I asked her, I was like, what? <laughs> like, how? I'm In my mind, I don't understand how that happens. But apparently it does. It does. I've heard it happen. It's like, um, cause, uh, what's, give me a phrase. <laughs> okay. How about like the blue Buffalo ran over the moon? Good. You just gave yourself a phrase. Okay. <laughs> the blue Buffalo ran over the moon. That's an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so neither of the ones even, that we talked about. It's, not, it's even, not even. That's just what you're trying to do. Okay. How about, how about the blue Buffalo ran over the moon? Yeah, but that's not bad enough. Okay, well, okay. I think it's less that it's like- The blue buffalo ran over the moon. It's less that like a bad British accent turns into something Southern and more that they have similar features. So like if you're someone who is struggling with committing to one specific accent, it's easy for you to slip into the other one. Okay, how about, how about, uh, howdy partner. The blue buffalo ran into the moon. Into the moon? Yeah. Car crash. (laughs) (laughs) Accidente. Llama ocho dieciocho. Oh, man. <laughs> I immediately went to the Valley Zip Code. You did, you did. A1A baby. You know who I would call in an accident? Who? Steve Carell. That's, I mean, that's a good idea. You want to know why? Why? One, he has money. He does. <laughs> Two, I'm sure he has a kind heart. I, be- I would believe that as well. Uh, three, he has money. Yeah. He could also make you laugh on oh, your yeah. way to the hospital. That's true. Like if you have like a broken spleen. Yeah. Can your spleen be broken? I don't know. Is it a bone? No. It's, it's an a, organ. It's an organ. I should know this because I watched like so much Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah. that That's where you should get your accurate <laughs> medical information. You're right. You have a sub <laughs> subdermal hematoma. I mean, that's a real thing. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I believe I so. have no idea. Yes, that's a real thing. Oh, incredible. Well, now I know. <laughs> Okay, Monica, tell us about Steve. Stephen John Carell is an American actor, comedian, writer, producer, and director. Oh, what does he direct it? I have no idea. Okay, incredible. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. 
Before becoming a megastar actor, Steve was an ice hockey goalie, a yes. mailman. A mailman? Yes, and he and legend has it that he drove his own car because it was a shortage of mailman cars. <laughs> you know, those like vehicles that mail people? The mail trucks? The mail trucks. Yeah. Those. <laughs> there, was a, there, was, there was a shortage of those. Wow, okay. Uh, and almost a lawyer, but he reached a question on the application form that said, why do you want to be a lawyer? And he could not think of anything. <laughs> I mean, me fucking too, Steve. Yeah, honestly, that's, that's, that's a vibe. We have no choice but to stand <laughs> a self-aware king. He iconically played Michael Scott in The Office, NBC's adaptation of the British series created by Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais, where Carrell... <laughs> Carrell? Carl? Steve Carl? <laughs> Steve Carl! <laughs> uh, where he also worked as an occasional producer, writer, and director. Oh, okay, so he directed some of the some of the office. I yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Okay. Carell has... So I told you we would find out. We did. I told you. You were right. I know. Carell has received numerous accolades for his performances in both film and television, including the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, Television Series, Musical, or Comedy for his work on... The Office. Oh, you guessed it. La Oficina. <laughs> he was recognized as America's funniest man by Life Magazine and also this podcast. <laughs> we matter. We matter. <laughs> and we think he's America's funniest man. <laughs> in his spare time, he owns and operates the Marshfield Hills General Store in Marshfield, Massachusetts. What? Where he has a summer home. Keep up with his small town shenanigans on the General Store website page, Where's Steve? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is Steve Carell. I love that he just owns a store. He just owns, and the website is glorious. It's, uh, if you want to check it out, it's marshfieldhillsgeneralstore.com. I have to go there. Uh, you know, and their slogan is established 1969 and then again in 2009. <laughs> I'm guessing he's the one who reestablished it. Oh, absolutely. It literally looks like it's right out of Stars Hollow. It's I, have kind to, of I have to Google it really fast. It's very cool. Marshfield General Store. Wow. You see the picture of him and his staff? Yes, him and his all-female staff. I know. I'm the lady in the back background on the right, crossing her arms. <laughs> I'm, I'm the lady with glasses, like, barely peeking over his head. Oh, uh, wow, I love this. Okay, we have to go on a, on a pilgrimage. We really do. So anyway, but anyway, <laughs> if you notice at the top, there's a page called Where's Steve? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, keep up. Keep up with what Steve is up to these days. It's just like he's just in the morning show and he won't stop doing I it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Steve? Steve, where are you? Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's a little bit about uh, well, on Steve. Steve. Uh, I'm so excited to chat about him. Um, you'll notice, this is not for you, Monica, this is for the listeners. Oh man. Listeners, you'll notice that we're not really talking much about Steve's comedy career. And that's because I don't think any of you really need us to explain to you why Steve Carell is funny. I don't really need to explain to you why Michael Scott is an iconic character. Yeah. And also we've already talked about the 40 year old version. We have, so which is that. just like peak Steve Carell. Exactly. We've already talked about Crazy Stupid Love, peak steve carell we have not talked about that movie oh my god but, you know, did we not do it for ryan gosling no we talked about maybe doing it then we decide not to. holy shit well watch the movie it's so good yes yeah, the movies we're focusing on today are a bit slash a lot more dramatic because i think that's where his daddiness comes out it's true because the bitch can do both the bitch has range <laughs> she's a range rover <laughs> 
a Range Rover and he drives it all over Massachusetts. Yes. Oh my God, Jessica. What? Are you recording? Yes. Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> complete sidebar. I'm sorry. This episode That's is okay. off the fucking chain. It's okay, guys. We're all over the place. It's fine. It is what it is. Um, Today, yes. I was walking, I was walking Carrie earlier today. <laughs> She's like, yes, you were. And, um, uh, <laughs> I'm hearing the ominous tones uh-huh. of the Godfather score blaring outside of the Buca de Beppo. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm like, what's going on? I turn my head and there is this man in these big, enormous black sunglasses uh-huh. in an old Honda Civic, silver, with the windows rolled all the way down, blasting, I mean like bumping uh-huh. the Godfather score. Wow. And he is just like, like arm leaning outside the driver's seat window uh-huh. and just like nodding his head. Was it the ghost of James Gandolfini? I don't think so. <laughs> it was his birthday a few days ago. I mean, he looked like he belonged in the Godfather, not that he should be playing the Godfather score. Like at the same time, I love him. And yet I never want to ask him his opinions on film. Uh, Me too. (laughs) And then. Oh, there's a part two. Oh, there's a part two. And then guess what happened? What? So here in Pasadena, we have like three town troubadours. Like Stars Hollow? Kind of. But like a (laughs) lot less small town. Everyone's just like. Right. uh, You know, it is what it is. Sure. Everyone's playing like Despacito. on like the violin do you know what i'm saying on their electric violin you know what i'm saying (laughs) i know exactly what you mean it's basically like like third street exactly so anyway the point is that we have all these troubadours they're always like fighting each other for like a corner of colorado that's you know it's just really popular lots of people coming to shop for the shops on colorado in old town pasadena Uh um and and this guy who's driving around with the windows down blasting the godfather score he passed one of the troubadours who was playing the trumpet. Uh-huh. And he just stared at him and started playing the Godfather score on the trumpet. Wow. <laughs> and so you hear the, the square fill with the ominous tones of which the Godfather part, which score. Which part of the score was it? The main theme. He just okay. played the main theme. And it was insane. It was actually insane. We rounded the corner across uh, Crate and Barrel. There was this woman who wanted to film the troubadour uh-huh. playing the godfather theme on the trumpet uh-huh. and she went oh my god can i film you and he was like i mean yeah go for it she was like well yeah i just want to film you because like i think i've heard that before in like a rap song or something <laughs> like it's being sampled and i just I- want to take it back home and shazam it <laughs> you dumb bitch and i was like oh my god oh my god this was literally so cinematic i was insane wow i really wish i'd been there it's like someone playing the theme to pirates of the caribbean and then someone going oh my god i heard that in an ariana grande song (laughs) it's like hans zimmer is kind of like rolling in in his non-existent grave because he's very much alive (laughs) <laughs> who is that a rapper yes <laughs> honey <Hans>. zims 
<laughs> wow, I love this. That was like, that was a great story. You're welcome. I thought the listeners deserved. I to want know. to befriend that man in the civic. If you're listening, um, man in civic, you can DM us. DM us anytime. We are at John Favreau is my. Daddy. I just want to know like what else is on your playlist. Hey. You know, <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's probably like under the sea. It's like what's next? What's after? Is it? Is he just playing the score from the movie, or is this like a? Is this a playlist that he has? I'm banking on playlists. <laughs> I'm banking on playlists too. I think it's like The Godfather. Maybe it's like what? What would be in like that? Who? Who would listen to that? Like think like construct the person in your mind. What else would be on that playlist? <sighs> That's a good question. I feel like maybe the score from Goodfellas. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Goodfellas score. Every Scorsese movie. Maybe the Boondock Saints. Maybe that (laughs) score. (laughs) Do you Ah. remember that movie? (laughs) Oh boy, do I. Do ya. Oh, do ya. Oh yeah. I actually- Defoe's in that movie. I watched the Boondock Saints in history class. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, AP US history. Um, I literally forget her name. A push. A push. I, you know what? I literally forget my teacher's name from AP US history because quite frankly, she was the worst. She was a big old see you next Tuesday. Oh, 100%. She kept trying to fail me for cheating. And I was like, how am I cheating? You are literally are, because it was, you know, they watch you write the essay. This is hearsay. I I can't say if you were cheating. They watch you write the essays. The They give you the paper. <laughs> I still got a name that class. Aaron Jeaning. It really wasn't a big deal. It was just like the acute, like she was so accusatory. Right. And so I'm like, you know what? I respected you because you showed us good fellas. Some teachers are angry. And then it really pissed me off that she showed us a bootleg of Hamilton. Oh, fuck that. And, and, and I left to go get some brownies from the coffee cart. Uh They also had goldfish that day. Wow. It was excellent. Incredible story. Cheesy, chocolatey (laughs) concoction of delicious goodness. And I drank coffee. Wow, I should have died when I was 17. Wow. <laughs> because that was my diet. Wow. <laughs> how did how did I not turn into a giant goldfish? All I can say is, wow. Wow. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we should get back to our boy, Steve. Should we not? Should we Honestly, we should. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All I know is that Steve is, is our North Star. Steve is the North Star. So we are getting there. We're getting there. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> don't apply for Social Security quite yet. Okay? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Almost. We're just at the first movie. Buckle up. We're Buckle so close. Up, friends. Go okay. for it, Jessica. So the first movie is Little Miss Sunshine came out in 2006, directed by Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton, screenplay by Michael Arndt. Aren't aren't you excited for this movie? Aren't nor (laughs) I'm so sorry, Michael (laughs) Aren't. The Hoover family, a man played by Greg Kinnear, his wife played by Tony Collette, an uncle played by Steve Carell, a brother played by Paul Dano, and a grandfather played by Alan Arkin, 
puts the fun back in dysfunctional <laughs> who wrote this by piling into a VW bus and heading to California to support a daughter played by Abigail Breslin in her bid to win the Little Miss Sunshine Contest. The sanity of everyone involved is stretched to the limit as the group's quirks cause epic problems as they travel across their interstate route. Wow. Wow. This... Uh, I just, I fucking love this movie. This movie's an absolute delight. This movie's a, at this point a classic. It's, it, it really is. Yeah. It's a classic, baby. Abigail Breslin is so astoundingly good in this movie. It makes me sad <laughs> that she has aged. Oh my God. <laughs> she was just such a good child actor. She had you know? so much nuance for her age. It was yeah. kind of insane. Yeah. She and- was like a mini adult. I know. But like in an adorable it's way. Just, just the character of Olive is just priceless. Beautiful. You, you, it was like lightning in a bottle. You couldn't have done anything better at that point. Yeah. Because like, any other kid would have been annoying as fuck yes. to watch. Correct. Abigail Breslin took it to a whole nother level. She's just like a breath of fresh she air. She made it so palatable and rich yes. and like- Again, nuanced. It was very adult, but also mm-hmm. she kept the innocence. I don't know. It was incredible. It was so fucking good. This movie, amazing movie. And Steve Carell in it, he's a supporting role, but so- So what? So brilliant. <sighs> he's just so brilliant. I mean, like his, so his like thing is that he <laughs> he's gay and he tried to commit suicide. <laughs> That's his thing. Everyone has a thing in the movie, Monica. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So Steve Carell, depressed, tried to commit suicide, is essentially fresh out of the hospital. Yes. Tony Collette, who is incredible in this movie. So good. Did she always look 40? She She's always looked yeah, 40. Yeah. I mean, even in, we watched Emma recently. Yeah. And she, she looked, looked 40 then. She looked 40 then. She looks 40 now, which I mean, I guess is good good she's an older looking woman she's an older looking woman and but now that she's older she looks incredible she looks the same (laughs) which is it's like okay okay that's a good question i guess would you rather look older your Uh whole life yeah or look really good young and then look terrible when you're old i'd probably just look older my whole life me too look good when i'm old exactly there you go because now she's obviously not in her 40s no uh, and she looks like she's in her forties. Yeah, she. I mean, she, this bitch looks incredible. I mean, we all saw her in Knives Out. She looked Y'all, amazing. She looked incredible in mm-hmm. Knives Out. Oh my god, <laughs> that blowout, girl. I know. Uh, uh, just trying to sell flam. Uh, flam. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. <laughs> but yeah, so Tony Collette is the mom who's just. She's just trying to do her best. She's just trying to like live her life. They live in New Mexico. It's like not a good existence. No. They're kind of just there. They're hemorrhaging money. Um, the husband is trying to be a motivational speaker. He's not being successful at it. It's right. not happening. That motivation baby is not working. Not working. He's trying to sell a book. That's his whole thing. He's trying. Well, he's trying to sell this program. This right. Like, it's kind of like a twelve step program, but like ten steps or some bullshit. It's a. It's like this bullshit like motivational speaker program mm-hmm. that he wants to sell to like corporate companies. Blah blah blah. It is what it is. The point is that Tony Collette is married to this guy, and she is essentially the glue that is holding this family together. Right. Because it's uh, her two children. Um, the the um, teenager whose name I forget. I think it's Wayne. Wayne or Paul. Wade. Paul Dano is the actor. I know. But who does Paul play? I think his name is Wayne. Wayne? Dwayne. Dwayne. I was Dwayne. Close. Okay. 
so uh so Paul Dano plays Dwayne 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 Derock Johnson Dwayne Derock Johnson uh he plays Dwayne and he is <laughs> he's on this fucking vow of silence yeah because he hates his family he not only hates his family but he's also trying to become a pilot and he thinks that by like giving up his his voice he right. will somehow the universe will give him back like ad- admit you know admittance to flight school right um spoiler alert he's colorblind so this bitch cannot go to flight I know, school and steve carell is the one who breaks the news to him and it's it is a heartbreaking scene that scene wow it's wow. kind of insane but anyway the point is that tony collette is the mom she's the she's the glue holding it all together she has two two uh children one of them is olive who is played by um abigail breslin the other one is paul dano whose name I've already forgotten. Dwayne DeRock Johnson. Dwayne DeRock Johnson. And then there's Steve Carell. Yes. Who is this like little morsel of, of like reality that yeah. exists in this vacuum of insanity. Because there is um, uh, Alan Arkin's character who's, who is the grandpa whose yeah. name I don't, I don't they remember. They call him grandpa. They really just it's call Greg him. It's Greg Kinnear's dad. Yeah. It, they call him grandpa. But he's kind of like the kooky, like like doesn't give a fuck, swears like he's coaching Olive for he, her pageants. Yeah, but like in a really <laughs> insane way, like very ris- you know he's making her do like risque dance moves yeah. and, and like teaching her like you know etiquette, but like in her own way and like making right. her come into her own. And um, uh, Steve Carell's role in this film mm-hmm. is just like this little nugget of intense reality that I think in contrast to all of the other characters really amplifies like how how sad and like melancholic he is because a lot of it has to do with his identity. A lot of it has to do yeah. with the fact that he is a gay man living in a world that does not accept him mm-hmm. and does not want him to be alive, quite frankly. So a lot of a lot of what motivates him throughout the film is his um relationship or rather like ex relationship with his ex boyfriend mm-hmm. um who moved on with another man right and he's a professor at a university that's already a whole a whole enchilada on mm-hmm. its own but like a lot of it just revolves around like who he is is he a professor is he a scholar is he a, is he an award winner he is he a gay man is he a, in a relationship is he not in a relationship like these are all questions that he constantly asks himself throughout the movie and the way that Steve Carell sort of like piles them all on top of each other to culminate in like him being able to pass on advice to his niece, his nephew, even his sister, right. or be there for them in a way that doesn't look like a normal way to be there for someone. Mm-hmm. It all kind of interconnects and it's it's really beautiful to see Steve Carell do a role like this because it's so it's like a quiet storm. Yeah. And he he's sort of like the eyes through which we see the family initially because the movie starts with him it's him right after his suicide attempt and he's in the hospital and tony tony collette comes to pick him up to bring him back home to be with her family so that they can watch him because he can't be left alone mm-hmm. um and he is just he's so profoundly sad and you can't really tell like what the root of the sadness is i'm sure it's multiple things it's you know i didn't want to be here and i still am the place i have to go back to is 
my sister's house with her family family's weird or i'm sure maybe an element of relief of like thank god this didn't actually happen but also like what does life look like for me now Mm -hmm. and he has all of these questions and you can see all of them and you kind of have like a glimmer of hope for his character at first when he first goes home but then you see him taking in like his new quote-unquote home at least for the time being and it gets sadder somehow, even though like the context is technically lighter because they're, you know, they're sitting around the table eating. Eating KFC. Yeah. Eating KFC. Like that's, that's the whole like first opening setting where you pick up, where you find out all of the information about what's going on. Um, And he's like taking in each person and you kind of just get hit with his feelings of like, so I didn't die, but this is what life is this is it now like this is my baseline now yeah wow, okay slash oh so this is what other people spend their time like reaching for yeah that's weird <laughs> <laughs> because i have my sister who's like working her ass off and nobody ever says thank you and my brother-in-law's a dick and my nephew is fucking weird and my niece is sweet and young but you know into pageants of all things yeah very naive but however i think olive so abigail breslin and steve carell have like magical chemistry between insane the two of them chemistry like insane she is like what gives him the will she's like what gives him meaning or like what gives him life through yeah. the whole movie again and that's i think the special part to watch about his performance specifically absolutely and she is the person who first asks him why he killed himself or why he attempted to kill himself. And he's so taken aback and at the same time, like not surprised that she's asking, which is kind of insane. I mean, she's a little girl. Like why would she, why would she ask this question? Why are the people allowing her to hear the answer? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with like the family dynamic. Like, right. I think Tony, Tony Collette's character doesn't want Olive to be shielded by anything and i think that a big part of why olive is the way that she is is because she's so inquisitive because Mm -hmm. she's so curious and so when she asks steve curl's character like why he killed himself and he offers up his answer of like well um you know i i recently broke up with the love of my life who was a man and she's like oh a man like he was a man and he was like, yes. And she's like, okay. Like, it's very like. Didn't you know she said that's silly? Yeah, she said, yeah, right. She goes like, that's silly. Where it's like, it's such an insane answer. Right. I think that's why I thought it was okay. Because it was like, it's such an insane answer for a kid to give. Like for her, it's almost a neutral answer of like, that's funny. It's like, not really judgmental. No. It's just kind of it's just like strange to her. It's like, it's like, um. It's like if someone were to say something and you go, oh, that, that's funny, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, it's almost like saying that's interesting. Right. It's the same thing, but it's just so funny that she chose the words that's silly because I think it it gave such a beautiful, it got such a beautiful performance out of C. Carell because he was able to sort of like sit there and process and sit in his own character before yeah. he, before he moved forward. Well, he basically has this child being like, you tried to kill yourself because you were in love with a man and he didn't want to be with you. Exactly. That's silly. That's silly. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, maybe, it shit, was maybe it was silly. silly. 
maybe it was silly. And like his emotional roller coaster through this movie is kind of intense. Like he goes through so much. He's so sad for so long. His anger with Greg Kinnear is seething, but also amazing to watch. Watching them bicker is incredible. So good. It's like it's like a fucking ping pong match. They're it's so incredible. rude to each other, <laughs> but so it's rude. so funny. But then Steve Carell becomes like the silent supporter of Olive through all of this. Mm-hmm. And that's the really like, I think that's the heart of the movie. Like Steve Carell's character, everyone is the heart of the movie, but I think his is really like what facilitates. He really puts a supporting and supporting actor. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> he really supports that story. Like you and I were talking about it as soon as we watched the movie, but the ice cream scene in this movie is, oh is my iconic. God. It's so good. It's all picture. All of them sitting at a table at a diner in a random, in a random, random rest stop somewhere. Yeah. Um, they've all just gotten out of this disgusting yellow, like VW van. Yeah. That they can't start unless they push it, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Olive's father is obviously the motivational speaker. He's very much like success, success, success. Like you got to look your best. You got to feel your best. You got to act your best. And, mm-hmm. to, and to him at this point in time, the best is skinny. Right. The best is beautiful, like conventionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that to him screams achievement. That to him screams success. And so in his mind, he's doing a good thing by telling his daughter like, oh, you know, no, don't have any any foods that are fatty or bad for mm-hmm. you because you will get fat and fat equals bad, skin equals good. You want to look good because you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the thought pattern behind his character, which makes complete sense for his character. Totally. Obviously, he's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. For saying, saying this to that. your like six year old daughter who's like Jesus. just understanding what body image is exactly. and like who she is and like her self self esteem, self confidence. Like saying that to someone at that age is really powerful mm-hmm. because you internalize that your entire life yes you do <laughs> yes you do honey <laughs> yes you do and so obviously the adults in the room understand that yeah olive doesn't olive just goes well i guess i won't have it then because he says well you don't want the ice cream yeah right? well and you can already tell that like she's starting to feel this whole like am I not good enough? Because she, she also has another scene later where she tells her grandfather that she doesn't want to be a loser because her dad, because daddy hates losers, which he does, which he does. Um, and so she is starting, you can tell that this is like a really formative moment and it's piecing all these things together for her and Steve Carell. Cause she ends up just ordering the ice cream anyway. Cause that's what she wants. And Steve Carell's like the first one to be like, I like ice cream. Like, I'll, if you're not going to have it, like, I'll eat it. Yeah. I'll eat the ice cream. <laughs> and it's the sweetest moment of, like, allyship and solidarity. And this man who has been through so much, who you can see that this child has kind of, like, lit a fire within him. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wants to save her from, from pain. Exactly. He doesn't want her to have any sort of confusion about her identity or to hate herself or go through anything that he's gone through. And this is like a really small action to help prevent that. And it's a really beautiful scene. It's quite gorgeous. It's it's genuinely some of the best acting that I've ever seen Steve Carell do because there's so much in so little 
and he pours all of himself and his own identity into that moment because yeah. it's very paternal. Yeah. It's very like, I do not want you to go through what I went through about my identity. I don't want you to look at yourself in the mirror every day and go, wow, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Why won't this change? Right. And I, why can't I fit into the mold that someone else is trying to push me into? Why can't I do that? Because a lot of the times, like, you can't change that kind of stuff about yeah. yourself. It's not possible. Or if it is, you achieve it in a really unhealthy way. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and this goes for anything. Right. Right. For Steve Carell's character, he's gay. It's something that that obviously was not great for him. Yeah. uh, For a lot of different reasons, not to say that being gay is wrong. It's not at all. And it's not even a decision. No, but in his life, it didn't. But in his life, it didn't bring him anything but pain for a very long time mm-hmm. because his identity was a was a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. And so if it's something that you can't change, acting in solidarity with it or like learning to appreciate it or learning to lean into it is really important. And in order for Olive specifically to lean into or feel supported in her own self-esteem journey and like in her own body, like that single act of eating the ice cream, of taking a bite of it and going, "Mm, like, this is so good. Like, I love this. This is so delicious. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to eat it, I'm going to eat it. Like that is so unbelievably powerful for her in that moment because it completely defined what allyship looked like. Right. And what, what friend, like real friendship and real solidarity looked like for her and gave her a voice. Yeah. Because she wasn't able to stand up to her father and say, no, I like ice cream. And like, why do you think being fat is wrong? Also like, what is fat? Yeah. (laughs) She was like, I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm (laughs) confused. So it's just, it's just very cool to watch Steve Carell take all of that information and deliver it in one spoonful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think above all the writers are, or the writer, he did an amazing job of giving Steve Carell this character who is quite literally just along for the ride. Literally. <laughs> like a passenger. He gives him all of this trauma and all of this very intense backstory and then says, okay, but you have to just kind of be in this van. And that's kind of it. Yeah. And you also don't really have a lot of agency because you're under suicide watch. Yeah, exactly. So go forth and develop your character. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives him a lot of freedom and in a way is probably what's best for the character's mental health because he has no choice but to literally just live. Just adapt. And then he kind of ends up thriving in the end because he finds a purpose in the life that he has been dropped into rather than choosing not to have purpose at all. Right. Which is, that was the crossroads he was at before. And now at the end, he's standing there supporting Olive who's performing at the pageant and it's amazing. And they're all dancing to Super Freak. It's in an incredible ending. <laughs> so good. And it's just the worst <laughs> dancing you've ever seen. They're all they're all shaking what their mama gave them. It's so good. It's like, so good good i i just uh, mad props to the writer for giving steve carell this to work with but then still giving him you know like touch points along the way like the ice cream scene or there's a scene where he goes into a gas station to order a slushy and he <laughs> and runs porn. into his ex yeah <laughs> to get a porno mag for the grandpa uh-huh, and a slushy and he runs into his ex and it's very traumatic for him yes um so he has these big defining moments but it's sort of in this like just like hang 10 environment essentially exactly (laughs) and he does such a good job with it 
It's just so good. The last thing that I think that I'll talk about because it's just there's so much there are so many little moments in this movie that add up. In a to, very short film, too. It's, it's it's like a tight, what is it, a tight 90? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a T. You know why we love this movie. It's a TN, tight 90, baby. Tight 90. Tight 90. He is the only character who will tell Paul Dano's character what is wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one else knew. No one else knew. But I think that, no one else would have told him. And that's yeah. the thing about it, right? Is that, you know, setting the scene for you all is they're all in in the van and um, Olive has this like weird obsession with like optometrist tests. Yeah, they had gone to a hospital because her grandpa, something happened to their grandpa. Exactly. And she picked up like a pamphlet. And she was like obsessed with it. She just kept playing with it and she's like playing this game. She thinks it's like a Who wants game. an eye test? Who wants an eye test? And like everyone's like me. Um, yeah. So she's like giving, she's giving Steve Carell an eye test. She's giving Paul Dano an eye test. And when Paul Dano is receiving his eye test, they're noticing that he is colorblind yeah. and no one's saying anything. And Steve Carell is like, you can s- watch him make the active decision mm-hmm. to tell him that he is colorblind. And then the second active decision to tell him that his dream is no longer possible. Yeah. And like, it's not just a dream. It's like, it's literally the only thing. It's he cares his about. life. It's yeah. literally his life. And I think, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, just pivot. No, he's a teenager. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's 15 and he's only ever dreamed of being a pilot. There is no pivoting for him. This is his entire world. This is everything that he's worked for. He's literally silent Yeah, for it. He's giving up like speech. his- <laughs> He's giving up speech for this dream, for this goal. Right. And I think there's so much power in Steve Carell's performance of like, you cannot be a pilot if you're colorblind, yeah, it can't happen. And I think, you know, a lot of people I think would read that as being incredibly cruel because, you know, why are you telling this like really young kid, this teenager that he can't do something? You should tell, you should be able to tell teenagers that they can accomplish anything, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually think that it is a moment of such compassion and empathy. Yeah. And like, hey, like, I just want to let you know because no one else mm-hmm. will tell you this dream that you've had is not achievable. Yeah. But that doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you don't have something that is necessary in order to move forward with this dream of yours. Right. And it's just like kind of insane to hear someone be so honest with him in what is essentially like a ticking time bomb, the van. Right. I I totally agree with you. I think it's another sort of, act of compassion similarly to like the ice cream scene of this needs to be done now because you have felt not cared about or not seen by your family because all Paul Dano says I mean writes I guess is like I fucking hate it here (laughs) I hate these people I hate everybody and so and Steve Carell knows this he's like I already know that this kid feels not seen which at the age of 15 is incredibly like he's got, he's gonna remember that he felt that way. Oh yeah, one hut. It's, <laughs> it's very formative. Oh yes, yeah. And so, in a way, like it, it's an act of compassion. Like you said, it's him saying, "I see you, and I'm sorry," because no one else has done that for no. him. No, I mean, think about it. The, all the parents had to do was go, "Oh my god!" Like 
you want to be a pilot? Yes, let's figure out let's figure out how to how to make you a pilot. And they would have looked online or looked around or asked questions and been like, well, what does he need to be a pilot? Like, what, how do we have to prepare him? How, how can we support him? Right. Yeah. And they would have all said, well, one of the main things is he has to not be colorblind. Like, have you checked him for that? And also, if he's never had an eye appointment, like what ever, <laughs> what <laughs> we've so all done that. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, why didn't anyone see it? Mm-hmm. And it's so glaring. It's right. like he he was almost left behind in that way. Yeah. And he, you know, his character has so much love for his younger sister and is so adamant about not allowing her to perform in the Little Miss Sunshine pageant. Yeah. He does not succeed. <laughs> no, she does it anyway. She does it anyway because she's a bad bitch and no one tells her what to do. Bad bitch, Olive. Bad bitch. <laughs> and she goes on. She does it. And everyone's like, she's going to get, people are going to laugh at her, blah, blah, blah. But she owns it because, mm-hmm. you know, her grandpa told her that she was a bad bitch. She gets up there. She's a bad bitch. Yeah. And that's that. And that's literally that on that. What are you going to do? <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do about it, Jessica? <laughs> all in all, Steve Carell is the one providing the healing in this movie. Yes. Um, And he does it, but he's flawless. I love it. He him. does it flawlessly he's so good a king okay monica bring us to the next much more upsetting film (laughs) our next film is Foxcatcher. it came out in 2014 directed by bennett miller written by e max fry and dan futterman or futterman it's futterman futterman he's the guy do you remember that episode of sex and city where charlotte dates her gay friend oh my god yeah that's him him? that's dan futterman is he him he had a brief acting career and then went into writing is him him it's him 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 (laughs) when wealthy john dupont played by steve carell invites olympic wrestler mark schultz played by Channing Tatum and brilliantly, by the way. So, so good. To move to his estate and help form a wrestling team for the 1988 Olympics, Mark sees a way to step out of the shadow of his charismatic brother, Dave, played by Mark Ruffalo. Woof, what a man. Yes. However, DuPont begins to lead Mark down a dark, dark road, causing the athlete's self-esteem to slip. Meanwhile, DuPont becomes fixated on bringing Dave into the fold, eventually propelling all three towards an unforeseen, tragedy this movie oh my god there's so much i have to say about this movie it's okay this movie very um like literally dark as in visually dark no literally it's so dark (laughs) rather it's not necessarily dark it's just it's monotone it's very muted and it's also very quiet and slow yes this movie does feel the length that it is and i think it's just like slightly over two hours or maybe just under sometimes it is so serious yeah sometimes it's too serious for its own good yeah um but it is incredibly refreshing to see steve in something like that because you never you literally never get to see him do this it doesn't happen this role is incredibly transformative for him like literally and figuratively he's literally wearing these prosthetics because John DuPont has very distinct features. Yeah. And the thing that is immediately most impressive about Steve Carl in this role is that like he, he is not swallowed by the prosthetics and it's not like Steve Carell isn't a seasoned actor because he is, but yeah. most of his experience is in comedies for the most part. Comedies are, or, you know, 
honestly, no no real period pieces where his like costume is basically wearing him. Exactly. Nothing where he has to wear a flipper or like change his appearance very drastically. Yeah. Nothing like that. So nothing where he has to use his costume or a prop or something like of that nature, something something image altering. Right to to achieve a specific look or a, a specific performance up, yeah. up, up until this point and not also he's never been in a film up until this point that is like very clearly trying to be an oscar vehicle oh precisely like this movie was v- so clearly they were really banking on that and i think they got nominated for some things Sorry. um but yeah so like the stakes are are really really high and what i loved about his portrayal of this person because I mean, some actors have a real problem with portraying real people, but like the whole time, you know, it's Steve Carell. It's not like that's a secret, but he's so completely transformed because he has his dialect work is impeccable. I don't even know what the fuck he's doing or what accent it is, but it is so good. It's really bizarre because I I forget where they are. They're in like Pennsylvania. They're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they're in Pennsylvania. They're in like rural Pennsylvania. The estate, like the DuPont estate is um, many acres. It's like like 85,000 acres. It's something insane. Rolling (laughs) land. There are multiple like houses on the estate, like uh, a bunch of stables because Mrs. DuPont, the Mm -hmm. mother, is a horse breeder. Right. Um, It's it's like... it's a whole thing. Like if you imagine what like ri- like Daddy Warbucks money kind mm-hmm. of is, like richy rich rich in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, that's kind of what you get. It's very like uh New England old mm-hmm. world. Very old money. Old money. Very much like there's a fucking documentary or like a, a an, an opening video of yeah. like There's a welcome film. Yeah, there's a welcome film <laughs> of like this is the DuPont legacy. This is the empire. Um which is kind of insane and I've never heard of like a family doing that, no, but, but okay. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> the rich have secrets, Monica. The rich, the rich. But yeah, he does this dialect work that's like very slow. It's very measured. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of a. It's kind of like draw. It's almost like a drawl, but it's just slow. He's like he's the he's like a human metronome. Yeah, it's really bizarre it's and very meditative. I almost he, found myself falling asleep. He has this like insane ability to be so like chilling while also being really passive and yet also really fascinating all at the same time. Like he seems like he just kind of blends into the surroundings and like, he's not that important of a guy, but then he actually is, but he's really scary, but you really want to pay attention to him and you really want to keep listening to him talk, which I mean, it's hard to do with a character that's this unlikable, you know, it's really difficult, especially because he, there's so much about John DuPont, Steve Curl's character that is so confusing yeah. and like very ominous. Yeah. So a lot about his past, a lot about his childhood is very ominous. He's very clearly a repressed queer man. Yes. Um, and that's very apparent throughout the filmmaking. It's very apparent throughout, you know, his, his, a lot of his performance tells mm-hmm. you that, um, not just his, not honestly, not at all his obsession with wrestling, no. just the things around mm-hmm. his obsession with wrestling and like the way that he handles dealing with his mother and like dealing with specifically like rejection, um, dealing with like complicated feelings towards Mark and Dave, complicated obsessions towards Mark and Dave. Like that, that is what tells us that he has like repressed 
you know, repressed feelings Mm -hmm. um, towards like men. A big part about what makes John Dupont's character, and mind you, he's a real guy. This mm-hmm. is based on a real story. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I have the knowledge or like the wherewithal to discuss like what the actual case was or like what the actual events were. So I, I don't really, I can't really like compare. I just know about like the actual murder itself, which, because spoiler alert, he commits murder. <laughs> <laughs> and they told it pretty truthfully in the movie. Um, of, there's like one discrepancy but it's not really yeah, so essential to this it's kind of like one of those things where it's like this is not going to be like a comparison of like totally. the actual events versus the movie this is more so talking about the movie in a vacuum mm-hmm. um and i think that as far as what steve carell has done with john's character is he has created a character that is so far removed and so distanced from the audience that we don't we don't know what to quite make of him yeah and i think that is such an insane trick it mm-hmm. is such a great hook yeah. for any character, especially a character as, you know, ultimately unlikable and heinous as John DuPont. Like genuinely, <laughs> Steve Carell is doing some Oscar worthy wor- uh, work in mm-hmm. this movie. And I think that specifically because John DuPont is so unbelievably far removed from the viewer because we don't see it coming. Like I had no idea what the story was based on. Right. I, I watched the movie again in a vacuum. I didn't watch it knowing that this was based on a real story. I didn't watch this knowing that there was a real murder, that there Mm -hmm. was, you know, there, there were real consequences. Like I had no idea until I, until I, um, uh, looked it up after for research for the podcast. And then I realized, and again like the work that Steve Carell does and the performance that he puts in to keep you at a at arm's length from this character the entire time is just like it's chilling it is yeah. literally bone chilling it is so good I I just have never seen him do something like that before yeah I mean the thing is is I I must imagine for him it was such a hard character to sort of dive into because John DuPont as a person I mean, he played him exactly as how I've heard he is in real life, which is incredibly far removed, rather quiet. But the things that he says are like deeply disturbing and also weird, like power trips where all of a sudden he's just like, my friends call me Eagle or Golden Eagle. And you're like, the fuck? (laughs) Or like, did you catch the fox mother? Yeah, Right. Yeah. Like (laughs) what? (laughs) It's just, it's a lot. And it's hard, I would imagine it's hard to find some sort of something to grab onto within a character whose like sociopathy is so deeply apparent. Yes. <laughs> because everyone who meets this motherfucker is just like, you're fucking weird. The only the only reason we are following along with this is because you have so much money, we are guaranteed to go to the Olympics. Yes. That's the only reason. Yes. And I can imagine if I was in the same shoes, like I would have done the same thing. I'm living on this estate. I don't really have to answer to anybody when I'm not, you know, wrestling. Yes. (laughs) But besides that, I can just sort of live my own life in this beautiful place. So like I do get it, get the intention of the people who follow along with his shit. But then when you really examine him, he's so deeply disturbed, but then the more impressive part is that Steve Carell kind of makes you feel for him in a way. Sometimes yeah. like I got really sad watching him and watching him like him trying to do amateur wrestling. And then you find out that his fucking like bodyguard 
paid off the guy that he was wrestling against so that he could win, so that he could feel like a winner for the first time in his life because he's never felt that before. And that's why he feels so invaluable. And that's why his mom doesn't love him. And like, if he could just win, he would be valuable, but he can't. And that it's so sad. He's so physically incapable that it makes him feel everything incapable, mentally incapable. It also makes him not respect or understand boundaries Mm -hmm. because a lot of it has to do because of his bountiful wealth. (laughs) Because when you're that rich, there are no boundaries. But also because like when you get rejected that often Mm -hmm. by your mother, by other people, like it makes you feel like you're in a black hole. Right. And in a black hole, there are no boundaries. It's boundless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think a, a large part of why John DuPont's character or John DuPont, Steve Carell's character decided to murder uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo's character, Dave, is because of the feelings of rejection that he had. Like it was almost like a like a slow drip. It's like he had FOMO to the point of murder. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of literally what it was. No, literally. Like <laughs> he basically un saw someone who had in his mind had it all like mm-hmm. the physical competence, the physical capability, the mental capability, the likability. People love him. He's so charismatic. He's so strong-willed. He's a family man. Like he's a great coach. He's a great coach. All these things that he is not mm-hmm. right. I am not, I am not, I am not. And he is, he is, he is ultimately led in John under once again, not understanding, understanding boundaries. Right. And just doing the thing that, made the most sense to him which was to get rid of him um which again like when you have that much money (laughs) any consequence i'm sure is is in his mind reversible in this case not so much no not reversible whatsoever um his descent into this darkness like you were saying is somehow (laughs) more troubling like it is, it is amazing to me that this character is so un- consistently unlikable. Like from the moment you meet him, you know that this is not a good guy. And yet you notice when the descent starts happening. And I think that that is very difficult to do to be like, this is a person who has already descended, but we're going to descend further. And you can, you're able to notice like when this starts happening. And that's just really like props to Steve Carell and his acting and able to say while this person is a sociopath while this person is awful and so much of him is one note there is like depth and interest intricacy to an extent that i can emphasize certain parts of it and display that like this guy can get worse 100 (laughs) percent it's i mean it's an amazing performance it's an incredible performance i'm just like sitting here nodding because i'm like yes like Absolutely. Um, I will say that I found myself at times kind of wanting or like fighting seeing Steve Carell in his prosthetics Mm -hmm. sometimes like because, you know, back to Jessica's point about the movie being like very muted and like dark. Sometimes you can you could kind of see the like lines of the prosthetic and like sometimes they were like slightly off color. Like they were a little (laughs) bit like a little bit paler or like a little bit of a different tone than the rest of Steve Carell's face. So sometimes that completely took me out of it. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) he's wearing a face. (laughs) He's wearing a humongous nose. Uh, 
and so sometimes I, you know, if I'm going to give this movie kind of any criticism besides what, what we gave it in the beginning, which is like that this it's movie slow. feels like death. Yeah, it's a great story that facilitated some really amazing performances. I'm not going to tell you it's an exciting story. Oh, honestly, like, I don't know that I would watch this film unless you were really motivated to see Steve Carell do an incredible performance. Exactly. Um, if you like wrestling, it's probably interesting. I guess. I, I, I don't like wrestling. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't get it. <laughs> but I love seeing that prosthetic uh, cauliflower ear that they put on Channing Tatum. 10 out of 10. Honestly, 11 out of 10. <laughs> also, like the way that Channing Tatum like jutted out his jaw, like his bottom jaw. Yeah, he had like the the like Marlon Brando Godfather situation where they yep. put things in his lip to it was, push it out. It was amazing. It was incredible. He looked beefy. <laughs> he, he really did. He looked so beefy. Honestly, everyone who's in this movie is doing something they've never done before mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe Mark Ruffalo. No, he, they put him in like one of them bald wigs. That's true. They took his hair off. Yeah, they took his hair <laughs> off because actually Mark Ruffalo has incredible hair. He does. He has it is awesome thick hair. black. Well now peppery, but like <laughs> self and peppery. peppery. Um, but he has like this thick black curly hair. It's right. so beautiful. It's so luscious, but they like, <laughs> they like stripped him of it <laughs> and said, no, you be bald. <laughs> You be bald. In Thank the you and good night. On the crown, you be bald. So, <laughs> and then you die. Anyway, sometimes, sometimes it seems like Steve Carell is like fighting the prosthetics, and it like makes me a little bit sad because I'm like, ugh, but you're doing so good. Why? <laughs> um, With all this money, you couldn't have just CGI'd it. Come on, Thank guys. You. Come on, guys. Uh, it makes me think of um, Nicole Kidman mm. and her nose in the hours, which if you have not uh, listened to that episode. Go listen. Please go listen. And also the, watch the hours. It's an incredible oh movie. Oh my God, watch the hours. That, that movie was the, the that sleeper movie? hit of... The last few months, I'd say, of Honestly, daddies. that and it's it's the tits. It really is. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, uh, it's talking about prosthetics got know, me all, know, know. got me think, thinking. Got you hot and bothered about prosthetics. It got me hot and bothered about prosthetics. Okay, well, we're going to get into some other prosthetics. Well, not prosthetics, hair pieces. Hair pieces. Wigs. Honestly, wigs. Lots of wigs. 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 Uh, so anyway, that was Foxcatcher. I would not recommend it. I would only recommend it again. I'd if, recommend it for the performance. Again, if you feel like watching Steve Carell step out of his fucking comfort zone, <laughs> do it. If you want to see Steve Carell as literally you've never seen him before, uh-huh. watch this movie. Otherwise, yeah. I don't, I cannot in good faith or conscience recommend it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next movie I can absolutely recommend a thousand times. Without um, a doubt, Jessica. This what movie, movie is it? is The Big Short. Wow. Came out in 2015. Directed by Adam McKay. Screenplay by Charles Randolph and Adam McKay based on The Big Short by Michael Lewis. Same guy who wrote Moneyball, our boy. You know how it be. In 2008, Wall Street guru Michael Burry, played by Christian Bale, realizes that a number of subprime home loans are in danger of defaulting. Burry bets against the housing market by throwing more than $1 billion of his investors' money into credit default swaps. His actions attract the attention of banker Jared Vennett, played by Ryan Gosling, hedge fund specialist Mark Baum, played by Steve Carell, and other greedy opportunists. Together, these men make a fortune by taking full advantage of the impending economic collapse in America. What a fucking film. Okay, first of all, right off the bat, I'm letting you guys know, I don't know what the fuck is going on in this film. No. No, I... I I know they literally, Margot Robbie is in a bathtub. 
yeah. explaining it to you <laughs> and I still don't know. And then like Selena Gomez pops up to explain things. She's explaining things. Yeah, there's there are people who come to come up and explain what's it going very on. clearly in a yeah. very Adam McKay fashion, mm-hmm. which I love Adam McKay. Um, so his fucking editor is brilliant. His editor needs to get paid everything. Yeah, he, his <laughs> editor, he's the same guy who did the editing in Vice um, and the Vice editing was oh, fire. Fucking amazing. The Vice editing deserved its own Oscar for that best lead character. <laughs> best lead character goes to the editing. The fact that during that movie, I said the editing in this movie, which That's I don't insane. usually say. No one says, if it's good editing, no one says, oh my God, the editing. <laughs> if it's like editing that is supposed to be like, I don't want anyone to notice this. Right. Anyway, back to the big short. The whole point is, it is literally so difficult to understand yeah. what the fuck went on in 2008. It is so hard. The the common American like does not understand what the fuck went wrong. We just know that there was a recession. Shit happened. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their homes. That's really what it was. Yes. And as far as what this movie is trying to accomplish with like teaching us what happened, as you're watching the movie, you're like, yeah, yeah, what the fuck? Oh my God, what the, uh, idiots, idiots, (laughs) all of them. Like, you're like, uh uh uh-huh. Like, you think that you're a fucking investment banker watching this movie? (laughs) Well, but- at the end of the day, I don't know what the fuck happened. And that's really all I needed to say. The gist of it is just that banks were approving loans for people with terrible credit who yes. should not have had loans that large, knowing that the loans would eventually default and then they would make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But these bankers figured out that this was happening. So they traded a bunch of money for the loans and they were paying tons of money for them to swap them out. And this had never been done before, but it is perfectly legal to do it. And so they would buy them from these banks and then the loans would go into default. And then the banker would make even more money than the original bank was going to make in the first place. And so they profited off of all of these people losing their homes, losing their jobs, losing everything. And that created a recession. And so this movie is about the people who profited. Yes. Um, which the, is a very unique point of view yes. for this movie. The greedy profiteers, the insane white men who yeah. profited from this tragedy. Yeah. And Steve Carell is one of them, but I would argue he is the one with the most empathy. Yes. He I is, guess. He is the one who found the problem. He's the one who was like, ooh this is a big deal and I can, it was like, it was Robert Frost. It was like two roads (laughs) lay before me. What should I do? And unfortunately he chose the path least taken. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He ended up following through with it. Well, he followed through with something that was going to make him a lot of money and hopefully the people who contributed to the hedge fund a lot of money. Yeah, so he had the option of just like never selling them back and making the money. Yes. Or making the money. And it was like, these people are going to lose their homes either way. So he decided to just do it and make the money. Precisely. But he's the only one who has like second thought in terms of like ethics. Yes. <laughs> um, in terms of like, should I really be doing yeah. this? And he's also the only one who's been given some sort of emotional backstory, which I think is is interesting and really good because he he has the story of like his brother jumped off a building and he's fighting with his wife all the time and et cetera, et cetera. And that's why he has these second thoughts because he's like, is this all there is to life? That's like the place that he's at mentally. 
And in a movie that is so complicated in terms of plot, even if you are following along, I think it's really helpful to have someone like Steve Carell to kind of anchor you in at least some part of the story, whether it's emotional or otherwise, to be like, I might not know what's going on, but I can like stick with this person who will give me the heart of what's going on. Was it Christian Bale or Steve Carell whose brother... It jumped was off a building. Steve Carell. I, it was Steve Carell. I meant Steve Carell. Steve, Steve Carell, Carell the whole time is the person. The whole time. That's what I meant to say. I knew that. You knew that. Shut up. Just take it. <laughs> anyway, um, that was the point. Christian Bale's the one with the glass eye. Yes. He's the one with the glass eye who listens to fucking Metallica or whatever, like yeah. really loud and like play and like has the drums. Yeah. A couple of drumsticks, not the ice cream. He has some sick drum solos throughout this movie. Yeah, some sick, and he like doesn't wear shoes. It's really fucking weird. It's really, really weird. It's like, it's only something like a guy who's in finance would do. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Steve Carell is also, again, like very physically transformed in this movie. He yes. has He has that wild blonde wig. Insane, just insane. And he has this incredible New York accent that he's doing. Uh, it's his, okay. It's so good. Sleeper hit his dialect work. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. So we saw it in Foxcatcher. We're seeing it here in the big short. He's just, he has... He has the ear. He has the mouth. I don't know what the fuck it is, but he can do it. I don't know what it is, but I like. I am very obsessed with how in it he is. He, oh, he is fucking He's in so it. absorbed. Dude, in this I would have totally believed. Like, if I didn't know Steve Carell, I would 100% believe that that man was from New York. <laughs> New York. New York. <laughs> and I think, like, this character of this, like, Wall Street asshole this like this New Yorker who you can literally see his high blood pressure. Literally. It, <laughs> it gives you, it gives him like, he still has a handle on his comedic side, which is very valuable in a movie like this because this movie is about something very serious, but it is not necessarily a serious movie. Precisely. And that's very beneficial for someone like Steve Carell and also just nice for him. Like obviously he doesn't have to do comedy all the time, but it's nice when you get to kind of have your hand in many baskets within one role. Yes. You know? The range. He's back as Range Rover Steve Carell. He is straddling all of these different types of acting and he's doing it flawlessly. He's also like, his costumes in this movie are like these drabby suits. Oh, yeah. That are just You can tell they're expensive, but too big. They're slightly too big for him. <laughs> they kind of swallow him a little bit and they the, the arms are a little too long. The shoulders are a little too wide. Yeah. And they make him look really weird and off-putting but in a way that works so well for his character yeah in a way that just like makes steve carell feel more powerful probably even though he's really not he makes me think of um the character the guy the the literal like image of the character of anger in inside out yes <laughs> Oh my God. Where he's just kind of like, his shoulders are always up and he's like stomping around, screaming at people on the phone. Jesus. And then Jesus. it's only like, it's only fucking Ryan Gosling, of course, who like brings him to the light. And it is funny seeing them in this movie again as well, but in very different roles. Yeah. First of all, Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell are like match made in heaven. They are so good. They are incredible. They are literally firecracker together. They are Rihanna and Drake. Oh boy. <laughs> You you figure out who Rihanna oh and Drake boy. are. You figure it out. <laughs> yes, okay. Steve Carell is Rihanna and Ryan Gosling is Drake. I can picture it. Can you? Can you? Can you hear the music? <laughs> so, 
a lot of what a lot of what um, Steve Carell does in this movie is repress because mm-hmm. his character is very repressive and very reclusive with his feelings. Right. He masks a lot of it using like anger and like urgency. Mm-hmm. Everything is very necessary right now. If right. it doesn't get done right now, the world's gonna end. So like urgency is like a big wall that he hides behind in order to not like deal with his problems or deal with his wife, deal with his life. Like a lot of it is like, let me throw myself into my career and like yell at everyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and make everyone else feel really small so that I don't have to focus on what the fuck's wrong with me. And what's wrong with him is obviously his brother committed suicide and he like still doesn't understand like what his role was in all of it. Right. And like, processing the fact that his brother got to that place and they were so close Mm -hmm. and feeling like wow i didn't i wasn't there for him in the the way that i feel like i could have been or should have been and now this terrible tragedy has happened and so now i have to like not live like i have to just be this like insane robot that is just always angry at everyone around me because i just can't fucking live because i can't deal with it it's just not possible. What's interesting is I Googled the person that his character is based off of and the guy. So the real tragedy that he went through is that his son died, like his young son. Mm. And I'm sure Steve Carell knew that because I'm sure he does the work. I'm sure. Um, that's, that's fucking hard shit to work through <laughs> in a movie about the economic collapse of the country and, like and what the character was doing and heart like how many families he was harming yes because of his profiteering right he had this trauma but then goes on to be this greedy little greedy bitch. gremlin and he has, i mean he is a greedy gremlin he and then he at the end you know like he does feel really fucking bad and he took the time with his team to like travel around the country to make sure that what was what they thought was going to happen was actually happening but it's one of those things where it's like you can't warn anybody that their loan is going to default it's not going to cuz what are they supposed to do exactly everyone was already trying to sell their homes they went to florida who, what are you going to do in Florida? <laughs> who, jump, jump in a swamp. I'm sorry. Who Who is going to stop their loan from defaulting in Florida? Crocodiles. You can't yeah. even like, you, you can't do anything in Florida. It's just swamp. <laughs> it's just Disney World and crocodiles. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. And also like Gianni Versace's house, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the birdcage was there too. Oh, the birdcage. Yes. Uh. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he has all of these things like working against his ability to kind of show empathy and yet he's still able to do it. And that's just like, that's a mark of good acting. It's a mark of good doing your homework, um, of like bringing humanity to a role that feels often not human whatsoever. And like, People like Wall Street robots, I mean, I don't view them as particularly humans. <laughs> no, no. So it is nice to see this kind of perspective. You still fucking hate them all in the end. Oh my God, they fucking blow yeah. in the end because they get what they wanted. Yes. And like, even they question mm-hmm. like their happiness in the moment. They're like, wait, I mean like, yay, but like what, at what cost? Yeah. And I think that that's the, what's really funny is like, that's kind of the biggest theme in the movie is like cost versus benefit. Right. Right. Like what is the cost of doing what we're doing and how are we benefiting? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, 
in everything, yeah. right? Like specifically for Steve Carell's character, it's like, what is the cost? My home life, mm-hmm. my humanity. Right. Um, what's the benefit? Uh, I don't know. Masking my pain. <laughs> really, uh, really going forward in my career. Having more money. Having more than money. I already had. So yeah, cost versus benefit all the way. And Steve, the way that Steve Carell holds both of those in his hand um, and like teeters the line between cost and benefit is, is actually quite quite astounding i agree 11 out of 10 for for sir Corell in this he's one. an incredible actor yeah and, and i love him i mean that blonde hair was doing him no favors but <laughs> no it really wasn't it was emphasizing all the wrong things yeah but, but somehow <laughs> somehow he still looked gorgeous agreed gorgeous. he's just a gorgeous man i love him he's so gorgeous he's so gorgeous I, um also, I will throw in there that I have, I've seen Steve Carell in other movies, obviously, so have you. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Beautiful Boy a few years ago with Timothée Chalamet. Oh, with Boy King. Oui. Uh, that like ended up not getting that much attention, but I saw it and he was fucking incredible in it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see Steve Carell in a role that will make you cry your eyes out, uh, do that. Because that's also another rare side of Steve Carell <laughs> is like, sad dad concerned father exactly concerned father <laughs> i can't what what is steve girl up to these days what's he gonna he's be in the in? morning show oh yeah he's in the morning on show. apple plus on apple plus which if you haven't watched it last on apple please please do it's so good i'm not done with it i was gonna say that that was my dabble I've, I've been like real deep in ted lasso also well, that only, answers my question only murders in the building oh, oh my god really good oh my god it's so good okay, oh my god, i was really so nervous good. because selena gomez is oh my god forget her okay forget her it's so good martin short i love that man apparently this is the first tv show he's ever been on uh, it other than like snl oh my I god mean, or maybe it was steve martin this is the first tv show i mean ever steve been on. martin is incredible <laughs> in this fucking show him and and um uh, uh other martin martin short martin short <laughs> or like this is the first one either have them have been on in like 40 years it's something insane like that <laughs> so good like they have undeniable chemistry they're brilliant they're brilliant um, selena gomez is kind of there which is fine <laughs> I don't mind her. I really don't. Okay. I, I I honestly respect her. She booked this gig. She did. She, she she's also EPing it. She's an executive oh, that's producer cool. on this show. That might be why she make your money, girl. You know. Make your money. <laughs> I respect that. Sure. She has a great beauty line. <laughs> Rare beauty is killing it. Rare beauty is fire. Yeah. Okay, so I do not have an unkind word to say about Selena Gomez. <laughs> However, in Only Murders in the Building, that bitch is just there, and that okay. is okay. All right. She is serving me like angry young girl vibes Good. and that's fine i like that and that's fine and she can do it well she she did it well in uh the wizards one the wizards, wizards of, of waverly place yeah that one she did that good where she's like the snarky teen it's true same thing okay i'm glad that she stuck to it okay. very good i'll watch it very good okay so that was your dapple selena good, good, good. did well anyway sorry that was steve carell thank you for coming <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for coming to the you show. You can drop your programs off um, at the exit. Thank you. Uh, we validate your parking in the lobby. Thank you so much for coming. Please throw away your trash. Throw away your trash. Recycle. Don't forget to donate to um, Equity uh, Broadway Fights AIDS. <laughs> uh, throw your money in the red buckets. Also, win a t-shirt. Incredible. 10 out of 10. Incredible. I took this joke too far. It is fully like past my bedtime. Um, <laughs> uh, 
that was my that was Steve Carell and that was my devil. Amazing. Jessica, what have you been dabbling in? Um, nothing particularly inside particularly exciting. I did go to Irvine over the weekend. Irvine. To visit my friend Ryan. Um, and we went to the Spectrum and we went to CPK and they have robots there serving you food now. No fucking That way. was horrifying. I don't want a ro- I don't want a robot so it's serving this little my little robot. It looks like it just looks like a like a plastic like cart almost. I don't want but a it robot. It has a little screen for where it has eyes. No. And, no. But no. The fact that it had no. eyes, I think, is the most bothersome no. part. But one of them had like shelves and that was to mm-hmm. bring you food. The other one was like a bussing robot that oh had God. buckets to like oh put God. the shit in. But here's the kicker. It still requires a fucking waiter to walk with it to hand you the food or to take the food off of the table. So I'm like, so this is literally, it's not taking away jobs necessarily. It's just taking away more walking. Yes, it looks like that fucking like Wally looking bitch. Let me describe this to you. It looks like the trash can robot from Wally. If you've seen that seminal classic hit film, Wally featuring Wally. Um, <laughs> it looks like the little trash can robot that's like that one. It kind of looks like Eve too. It kind of looks like no, it does not look like Eve. Do not trash on that bitch. I'm sorry. She stunts on these hoes, okay? <laughs> Please. She's too good for them. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, it looks like the fucking trash can robot. That is honestly the stuff of my fucking nightmares yeah the last thing i want in this world is to be served <laughs> by a robot also its movements were so disturbing because it would like park itself in the corner and then come out and it would like head right towards you like look <laughs> you in the eyes and roll right for you and then at the last second turn to the side. <laughs> and you're just like you would watch and be like and I almost I saw it almost run over so many children's feet. Oh it was horrifying. But the thing that gets me is that the someone else has to be with it to serve you the food off of it. It's accomplishing nothing other than holding more shit. It's just cool and expensive. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like it would be one thing if the shelf like extended outwards so you can pick your food up off of it itself. But even then I'm like, you're getting rid of drops okay. and this is silly. Here's the thing. What? Why the fuck does CP fucking K have robots out of everyone? I don't know. And some, my friend was like, well, maybe it's because they're really busy. And I'm like, these take up more room. You have, you have to accompany the robot in the busy restaurant. This feels counterproductive. And you know I question what? everything. You know what I think maybe it might be so what? that the, that the servers don't have to carry all of the food maybe i think that's that's the only purpose that it serves what a silly service why can't they just have a cart also so many servers have those huge fucking trays and they bounce on their shoulder carry all the pizzas no, that's no, no. like skill but that's what i'm trying to say is like why don't if they're worried about like you know yeah because i'm you know i go to the chiropractor i'm always worried Naturally. about like you know necks and backs just give them like a push cart like on airplanes well that's what i was just trying to say is why don't they just give them a cart yeah because that helps disperse the energy they don't have to you don't have to throw out their back they I'm, don't have to throw out their neck i'm gonna sue cpk i don't know cpk and elon musk while i'm at it because i'm sure he's behind this. oh i'm positive <laughs> oh my god are you kidding me i'm sure paypal is a direct funder yeah <laughs> Tesla, will you at, baby? Uh, did you, I'm sorry. Did you see one of the t- Tesla T's on the robot anywhere? The logo? No. I'm sure it was there. We'll I'm find it. Positive. It's it inside. It's inside somewhere. Oh it's like God. on a chip or some bullshit. How does how do computers work? How do how do robots work? What is a motherboard? What is a robot? Who is she? What is a robot? <laughs> 
And why? Okay, and Monica, why is a robot? We have a quick anonymous question. Oh my God, who? Tell me. I mean, well, anonymous, but like, what is it? What's a film that feels like fall? Oh my God, I love you, whoever asked this question. Wow. Tell Obviously, my, this is my obvious answer. Yeah. Ready? When Harry Met Sally. Amazing. Incredible film. Mine is also a Nora Ephron movie. Oh, <laughs> Obviously, please. the queen of fall. Obviously. Um, you've got mail. You've got mail. Oh, perfect. Duh. 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 Um, I don't know. Also, like, Frozen 2 gives me fall fall vibes. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll take that. I don't know. I think that, I'm pretty sure that one came out in November. <laughs> well. As always. Don't, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye, Jessica. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs>